You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders. One of the things that we hear from time to time from people, either from clients that we work with or stories out in the workplace, are employees who are talking about really difficult situations at work. And sometimes when they're looking for those difficult situations at work, they will use words to describe them that trigger other situations at work that maybe aren't quite aligned. So today we're going to talk about words and situations that are often misused Because what we want to do, and this is our goal for this one is our goal is not to minimize these challenges that you might have at work in terms of whether you are feel like you're in a hostile work environment It's going to be one that we're going to talk about. Uh, We want you to first of all recognize whether you're actually in a hostile work environment, or if you just feel like it's hostile, because those are different those are different situations and it's different how you might handle those two different situations and what your role is in getting out of that. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna hit some commonly used words uh, today. So we've got our whole team with us today. You're you are so privileged because you get every one of us today. We're here at the beginning of the new year. Super excited to be joining you here. We've got we and I know that we like you to hear everybody on our team so you can identify who the voices are. Uh, we've got Bethany Taff on our team. Bethany, why don't you just say hello to everybody? Hello, this is my voice. Good and job. Because we're on YouTube. Okay. And yeah, we're on video and or you can listen to us audio too, by the way, if you didn't know that you can watch our videos or you can listen to us audio, then this is for the audio people, right? And so we've also got Stephanie Anderson, Stephanie. Hello, everybody. Stephanie, glad to have you with us here. We've also got Diana Royalty live from the West Coast. Hello. Welcome. That was a small voice sample. Uh, I mean, you'll hear my voice again later. Okay. All right. That's enough. Settle down. Stop. Uh, and then, <laughs> sorry, that was a joke. Diana's laughing. I'm laughing. It was funny. It was funny. Okay. All yeah, right. That good. sounded bad, especially for this topic. So now let's talk about bullying. Here we're <laughs> going to talk about this. And then we have myself, Don Harkey, and then we have our facilitator for the day, Matt Griswold. Matt, I'm excited about talking about some of these words and phrases that are misused. Hey, hello, this is my voice. Just so you, <laughs> gosh, I wanted to do that the whole time. It's not really my voice. This is really my voice. I, I was going to say something snarky that you can't really uh, identify Diana by the tone. It's really the the language that she uses. Curses like a sailor. We'll see if we can't um, keep that under wraps for this. Right, Diana? I don't think I've ever cursed on the podcast. Oh, oh, well, if you know her, if you know her outside of here. Yeah, I kid. I kid. Diana's Diana's a teddy bear. Yeah. All right. So Don, I think you set the stage and you touched on something that I thought it might be important to be able to touch on here as well. So we're we're not saying that these things don't exist. What we are saying is that these things are commonly heard by us as we're working with organizations all over the country. And we hear these things. And something that I want to recognize is that you probably do feel it. 
right? You're very, very close to it. It's your situation. You have a different level of emotion tied to this than what maybe we do from the outside looking in. Uh, not that we don't care or not that it's not a not a big deal, but you are tied to this much more closely. So the things that you're saying as hostile work environment or I'm being bullied, uh, those types of things, don't be surprised if we may, might have additional questions after that instead of saying, oh, okay, absolutely. Let's run that right up the flagpole there. Uh, so not saying it doesn't exist, but <clears throat> I want to recognize that we want to recognize recognize it is not to diminish the feeling that you have about the situation you might totally be feeling that that way but we also want to recognize maybe the level of what this potentially looks like if we are making uh words like that or accusations like that especially if you are uh working in a large corporation with a large hr department these are the words that that uh you know tend to tickle their ears a little bit and follow a full-blown investigation which we'll get maybe into just just a little bit but let's start off with maybe some some of these words what exactly are we talking about some of these things that we commonly here and i know i just threw out a couple of them we can rehash those and maybe add some more to it but what are these words that we're commonly hearing that we're coming to the people to be able to address today who wants it all right well let's start with one let's start with hostile work environments we'll hear that sometimes from people who will go to work and we'll talk to the employees and say like oh my boss is creating a hostile work environment for myself I think maybe the, the thing to add to that too is, uh, or maybe to start, and Diana, I know you want to jump in on this um, as well, but if somebody is saying that, what are they What are they maybe actually saying? Like what is causing them to say that thing? Yeah, I was just going to say, I've never heard anyone use this phrase correctly, but I have heard it used a lot. So generally when people are saying that it's a hostile work environment, I think they mean that their boss is mean to them or yells a lot or maybe even throws things, I don't know, just seems hostile, right? That that word sounds right for what I just described. However, in the legal sense, unless your boss is doing something to disparage a protected class or sexually harass, you are not in a hostile work environment. Um, and those protected classes are, there's like seven or eight of them. It's gender, race, religion, age, um, disability, health, health identification stuff. There's like seven factors, but um, unless your boss is doing something to disparage or demean one of those protected classes, then it's not really a hostile work environment. So like when people say that, I know the legal term, but I also know what I think they mean. And so I definitely ask a lot more questions after that. So when, when somebody says they're in a hostile work environment, if you said that to an HR person or a boss or someone high, you're raising a really red flag because it's the term hostile work environment is something that has to do with the Department of Labor laws. So then you're raising such a big flag. And I feel like people need to be a little cautious when using that phrase. I think it's a good point that you made, Diana, about like the perspective, like the legal term of that, right? Yeah, that's a that's a violation of a law, hostile work environment, which is going to, as Matt brought up earlier, is going to trigger some things, right, within a company, within a large corporation, and should. If an, if you are a manager and your employee comes to you and says, "I feel like I work in a hostile work environment," you should ask more questions. Like, I need you to tell me a little bit more about what that looks like. Which means also, as an employee, if you bring up those words, you should expect the, your employer to. 
ask you more questions. You should expect them to want to dive into that to understand more. Now, it's interesting, Diana, like I Googled hostile work environment. What's kind of interesting is you'll find competing definitions for that. There are law firms who put definitions out there, like this one definition from a law firm, I'm not going to name what the law firm is, says a hostile work environment is created when either management or a fellow employee behaves in such a way that you as the employee find it very difficult to work. And I think that kind of a posting, that is, I'm just going to be really blunt. That's a law firm looking for clients. Totally. That's a law firm looking for people who want to sue their employers and want to do civil lawsuits. That is not a legal definition of hostile work environment. And the reason we're highlighting that is because what your situation is might trigger something different than what you want to have happen. Do If you go to your boss and you say, I live in a hostile, I think we have a hostile work environment and they trigger an investigation and you feel really like, oh, I just meant that it's hard for me to work here. That's going to be a very different conversation and it's going to make it harder for you to resolve that issue. Not that you should, again, we're not saying you shouldn't report that if that's really true. But that's that's why we're talking about this. Fortunately, we've never met a boss that's uh, very aggressive and uses colorful language. And, you know, of course, we're kidding. Yes, we see them or you. If you're listening, we see you uh, on a regular on a regular basis. They don't work here. Their name's not Don uh, or Diana, for that matter. I was joking earlier. But but we have we 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 have we have recognized that, too. Stephanie, I know you came off mute there. What did you have to add? Yeah, I was just going to say of like, I think it's a very real feeling that people have of when like someone is not acting kindly toward you of like it is, it does feel awful and it feels hostile. And so that's an easy word to use. I think my recommendation is like, just be really specific, like with what is actually happening. Um, you know, I've worked, um, in a work environment that was not great before and had a boss who was actually just pretty mean to people sometimes and used a lot of unkind language, um, would call people out publicly. Um, but kind of to Diana's point of like, it felt like, and I probably would have used those words, hostile work environment, but really if I could pinpoint down what, what was really happening and then be able to take that to HR or, or to a board or something, then there maybe could have been a solution there versus just saying it's hostile. I just can't deal with it. There's nothing good to come of this. If I can be more specific about what's happening, then I'm more likely to get the solution that I want, um, of maybe there could be different roles and responsibilities change. There could be coaching and training for different people in the organization. Um, maybe just even a little self-awareness of helping someone understand like, Hey, when you say things that way, um, people it's being perceived and taken another way. And so maybe think about the words that, that you use, um, or, I mean, the other option, and we were talking about this in preparation for a conversation of like you as the employee can just also leave, like you can find another job, you can quit, you know, if you really feel like there's not a win there, or it's like, Hey, like I probably can't come to HR and expect them to fire my business owner or CEO, <laughs> um, in this situation. Uh, even if maybe they should be, that might not be the outcome that's actually going to happen. So maybe I can at least have my words and knowledge and say, I know why I'm leaving. And these are the reasons why, and these are what my boundaries are at work and how I'm willing or not willing to be treated in an office environment. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that, and, and this might be a good point to also remind everybody, we are not giving legal advice here. 
the point is, that we're trying to make is we're trying to help. First of all, if you're an employee inside of a company and you're running into those situations that Stephanie just described, we're trying to help give you the most effective way to work through that, which is going to be, it, in, depending on how the severity of the situation, might be more to have just a side conversation or a kind conversation with your boss or with somebody that you work with or things to help you to work better. Or it might be that you need to elevate it officially into something, but this just helps you to understand in terms of the language that you can use and how you can approach things and elevate things. But again, we're not giving legal advice. I feel like we need to put that in there. We're not giving legal or HR advice. Yeah, and I, I think I think we started this conversation because I had a, a colleague of mine say that they felt unsafe at work and that they felt like it was a hostile work environment and so I started asking a lot of questions and I was like, tell me more about what you think hostile is. And she was telling me some situations and I was like, okay, those seem unkind and unwelcoming and not cool, but they're not hostile. It's not the legal definition. And then she said the, another thing that I think is a little misused. She said, I feel unsafe. And I just said like, I need you to explain more about how you feel unsafe I think that word of safety, we talk a lot about psychological safety. And when she was talking about it, she meant that she was uncomfortable, right? She was telling me that her boss was making her go to these meetings that she just didn't like to go to. And this, it sounds really petty now, as I'm saying it, it was a little deeper than this, but Ultimately, she was forced to go to meetings with people that she felt weren't very kind to her. And I had to sort of say, I know that that is uncomfortable, but I don't think you're unsafe in that situation. So I think maybe we should talk a little bit about like psychological safety and what it means to feel safe at work, because I think that word is another one that's being kind of thrown around a lot. Yeah. So with the, with the idea of psychological safety or the safety at work, again, Diana, I like how you, you kind of uh, drew a line in the sand, so to speak, like on this side, uncomfortable on this side, threatening physical violence, maybe sexual harassment, those types of things. Okay. Now you're physically, you are physically concerned about your, well, I'm scared to walk to the parking garage after work or, you know, whatever, anything like that. Now, now you're on that safety that safety uh, guideline. But now, you know, we we have this idea on the other side of that line of the sand. Of, I'm just uncomfortable. I don't like it. It's not my thing. Um, I thought I did my part by raising my hand. Why am I being forced now to have these other meetings? And this is why we kind of talked about uh, if you're going to raise, raise the hand, I mean, and we're not saying don't do it, but we're just saying maybe have kind of your ducks in a row before you do that, because there will be many more conversations that have to happen after that is, has taken place. Let's talk about psychological safety though. So, and this is maybe before there's been a flag raised. And I know right now we might be talking to employees, but but let's maybe gear this uh, towards managers. Managers, you have a tremendous amount of influence over the team that you have, the culture you're building, the people that you have in your stead, right? The, the employees that you are in charge of. Um, and part of being able to create the culture that you're trying to create with the influence that you have is making sure that you are doing a good job of instilling psychological safety on the team. So there's different components to psychological safety. Um, the way that I talk about this, and you guys can feel free to jump in here as well, Don, I know there's that Google Teams stat uh, as well that they had that they had thrown out there. But the way I talk about this is uh, if whenever you use the word, it's kind of a buzzword, psychological safety, and they might not know the word, but they know the feeling. So how do I, how can I tell if I am around a team that maybe has no psychological 
safety. What if I'm a manager and I'm asking questions of a team and there is not psychological safety there? What are those? And I'll throw this to the team. What are the, what am I likely to get in return? Or what are those signs that might say that my employees are not, there's no psychological safety there? Bethany? We just had a conversation with somebody about this actually. Um, So it's a fresh, fresh example, but I think that one sign of this is when um, maybe people have more freedom to share fun, new, positive ideas, but they don't have space to share concerns um, because they're afraid they're going to get in trouble or somebody else is going to get in trouble or they're going to, you know, there's retribution or whatever. Um, and so I think that's one side is it's all positive. We can talk about the positive things all day long, but if we're afraid to share our concerns or if there's a problem or if we don't like the way something's working and that traditionally that hasn't gone well in those conversations, then that's a sign that there's no psychological safety there. I think you answered that from both sides of the party too, right? So for employees, I feel totally good talking about the good things. I don't feel good talking about the bad things. Um, And from the manager's perspective, it's like, okay, so nobody brings me these concerns. I continue to ask the question. Nobody brings up any of the concerns. I ask him what I could do better. I ask him, I ask him what's broken. I ask him what things they want to, they want to work on. And nobody has anything that they ever want to work on, but they will go complain behind my back. Um, And the reality is, it's not that you're asking the question. It's the fear of the response that you're about to give them. They're, they're afraid of the response if they do have something. So I think that's a good example. Thank you, Bethany, of psychological safety. Any other telltale signs there or red flags with psychological safety that that might say that something is happening, that we are, uh, that there is no psychological safety here? Yeah, Matt, I think you just kind of shared a good, a good example of it, of like, you know, I think so many organizations have these team meetings and where someone will bring something up and then inevitably someone else kind of like pounces on that. Um, and that's not always comfortable for everyone to like share their feedback publicly. So they might've just said something thinking, oh, maybe we can have a, a deeper conversation about it later. And now all of a sudden I have to share this publicly. And then someone is going to publicly disagree with me. And if you're not comfortable with that type of interaction, all of a sudden it starts feeling like confrontation. And we just had a fight in front of everyone where the other person might be saying, oh, we were just having a conversation about it. So I think that's an example that I've seen a lot in organizations of where there's no really dedicated, like more private time, or I'm not, my boss isn't accessible to me to have a private conversation. Or if there is a private conversation, that discussion isn't kept in confidence. And so then it's going to be brought up at the next meeting. And I've worked at a place where that would happen before. If someone would go to the boss and share a private concern, or maybe uh, honestly being kind of vulnerable and sharing, like I'm struggling to kind of get along with this other team member. We're not working well together. And then in the next meeting, the boss would inevitably be like, so I'm hearing people aren't getting along and specifically you too. And I think that I'm like, oh no. Um, so, and I think maybe it is a little dramatic example, but I've heard that from, I've had that in my experience and from several other people of where it's just like, we're not creating maybe time and space for people to actually be able to share feedback and, and receive feedback in a way that feels comfortable to them. And it's not communicated to them in a way that they're actually going to receive well. Yeah, it's kind of, we've seen this before too, where maybe there's an issue that is not being addressed or somebody's tried to have a conversation and then, you know, a blanket email is sent out to the whole team and we know exactly where it came from and, but it's to everybody. So 
Um, I think that's another way we've seen that. Yeah, the blanket email is a popular one. I like how you're calling people out in the team meetings. We will just hash this out right now. I've seen this too, where um, uh, the, they finally get to that vulnerable place and the person raises their hand and they're like, well, sometimes boss, it feels like you ask us that question and you're not always receptive. Like you get mad when we answer it. And I've seen somebody ask that question or say that through tears. I've been in the room and then the boss immediately, instead of taking this opportunity to build psychological safety and say, gosh, that's never my intent. I'm, I appreciate you saying that. Thanks for bringing that up. The boss said, when have I ever been mad? Like, when have I ever gotten mad at you? Like, give me an example. And it's like, okay, you're crashing and burning right in front of our faces. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want my mom. Uh, those 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 types of things. So anyway, kind of painted a picture for our psychological safety. There are some things to watch out for. Maybe one of the takeaways from this podcast is if you feel uh, that, maybe look for some of those signs of okay, oh shoot, maybe we are in an environment where there is no psychological safety. If I'm a manager man, maybe they're not volunteering for some of the projects, their extra projects that they used to volunteer for. Maybe they're not uh, forthcoming with the information as they used to be, or, you know, there's some of those, there's some of those signs to watch out for too, to ensure psychological safety, because that is the foundational block that you're going to build everything else from on your team. Yeah. I was just going to say like psychological safety is so important to a team. It's so important to move things forward. It's so important for innovation. It's so important for just generally a good working environment but it's not necessarily a given. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I think we're all saying that, no, this is not a legal issue. It is serious. I mean, we think that it's important, but it's not something that you should report to HR necessarily. It's a leadership issue. It's not a legal issue. Yeah, that's great. Good, good add on there. The the last thing I was going to add on the yes, psychological safety. And Diana, I know you, you have something to add to do, but the last thing I was going to add on the psychological safety there too, whenever somebody does hire us to come work and we start working with an organization, that's one of the first things that we're trying to establish is this area of trust and psychological safety. And sometimes organizations, again, because they're using these words, and we're going to jump back into those words, like the hostile work environment, we need your help, or the there's lack of safety, we need your help. We have to establish the safety first. And, and for those people that are emotional to it going, why do you keep just asking questions? Why do you keep having a committee? You got to get rid of this person. You got to get rid of, okay, calm down. We, we we have to paint a picture here. We have to be able to create this idea of psychological safety because we want them to trust us at the same time. We They have to be able to trust us so we can all move forward together. And sometimes that means we have to take a couple of steps back from where you feel like you are now so we can help them to rebuild it in the direction that it needs to go. Sorry, Diana, were you going to add something to any of that there? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. You're good. I, I think there are other words that we should continue to explore we did you know hostile work environment and bullying and and um psychological safety but i think another one we talk about a lot is toxic people use the word toxic a lot and we have a definition of toxic um don do you want to talk about that a little bit yeah when we use the word toxic we mean misaligned and so we often talk about like toxic employees and sometimes people say, why don't you talk about toxic bosses or, or companies? And really it's because if the employee, if you're an employee of a company and you're fundamentally misaligned with the company that you're with, then your, your tendency is going to be to push back against that company and the company's bigger than you are. So it's going to be, you're the one that's toxic. We could say the company also is toxic, but there's not much use in that. 
it's more, so that's where we focus that on the employee. Sometimes when you hear the word toxic, you think, oh, that person is really a bad person or they're not very good at their job. Actually, a toxic person could be great at their job. They could be actually a really good person. And here's the really weird thing. They could be right. They might be pushing in a direction that the organization should be listening to but isn't listening to, but it doesn't matter if you're misaligned because what you're doing is you're fighting a team against the organization. So you're essentially, you're, you're creating a rebellion inside of an organization. I think what you said though, Don, is like the hard part of people to hear about how we define toxic. Is that like when you're in it, cause I've been in that moment. And I think, you know, one thing we do when we meet with a lot of our clients and is talk about, okay, when have you ever been toxic? And I think each of us raises our hand in that moment of, we can see maybe a point in our career where we were misaligned with the organization, but the hard part part about it is when you're in that moment, you feel like, oh, like the boss is just horrible. And if they were gone, then everything would be better. The organization runs smoothly because maybe I am right in some of the things that I'm seeing, but recognizing like what you said of like that, we don't talk about that because that's the hard one to, to change. We're probably not going to be like, oh, the whole toxic company, but realizing if we're misaligned, you know, if I'm if I don't agree with the decisions that are being made, um, if I'm kind of working against the grain, if I'm having the the meeting after the meeting to talk about how wrong everyone was, then I'm not aligned with the organization and whether or not the organization's goals or motives or strategies are right or wrong, I'm working against them and it makes me the toxic one. And I think that's a definition that people, um, I think seem to, to struggle with sometimes because culturally we use the word toxic to generally mean somebody who's just like nasty and they have a public bad attitude. They're probably like publicly rude in some ways. It's someone we don't enjoy spending time with. And again, to your point, the reality is sometimes that's not at all true. That's just someone who is totally misaligned. They're, they're working in a different direction than the rest of the team is. I think it surprises people too, how often we recognize toxic people and how often people expect, yeah, yeah, we automatically just fire toxic people. Not necessarily. Sometimes they're toxic because they feel like they're unheard. Uh, I've had good ideas around here for a long time. Nobody ever asks my opinion or they never get asked to volunteer on this project or that project. Like, I, I think ultimately we do get around to the firing part. It's just not our first move, right? There's probably some other moves that we need to take to, 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 to investigate this toxicity or this toxic employee too. There's a phrase that we use and Don, I know you'll know this well, cause you and I give this talk quite a bit, but there's a phrase that we use and can go into this toxicity, but it's, it says my boss always yells at me. And we talk about the read the problem with this phrase, right? My boss always yells at me. If I'm toxic, maybe I'm toxic because I feel like my boss always yells at me. In this case, you feel like the boss is wrong. They're toxic, right? I'm the employee being yelled at. I can't be toxic. But we, we ask people or participants when we're giving this talk a lot, like point out the key words. And one of the first words that jumps off the page that a lot of people don't recognize and they don't say as much, uh, you know, maybe they used to, it used to not be a problem, but now it kind of jumps off the page is boss, my boss. And, uh, you know, it's funny because uh, oftentimes boss just has a hierarchy uh, kind of connotation to it there. We don't really say 
boss any anymore. It's like leader, manager, those type facilitator, those types of things. It's not uh, my boss. In fact, if we say boss, a lot, I joke a lot of times. It's like tongue in cheek, like okay, boss, right on it, boss. Absolutely. Jim Gaffigan does a whole thing about happy camper and how the only time the only happy campers are the ones leaving the campground because it's always used. And they're like, oh, they're not a happy camp, happy camper. Same kind of thing with boss. Like it's just one of those words. But if they my boss, and then the next word always is it always or have they ever? Really? Have they ever really yelled or do they just give you a message that they didn't that you didn't like? And then the next word yells. Is it really are they yelling or they, did they just try to correct something, uh, correct a behavior? And then the last one there talks about at me. Like if I'm stuck in that idea, my boss always yells at me. It's nobody else. Watch. Here they come. Here they come. They're totally going to yell at me because this is how it always goes. Watch this. And Don, I don't know if you want to pick it up from there or I can keep going, but but we talk about my boss always yells at me. What are What is wrong with that phrase? And the, the next, the kind of the kicker, and I'll throw it to you, Don, but kind of the kicker of that is if that is what I think, if I think that my boss always yells at me, what does that do in return? Like, how does that impact me and how does that impact the relationship? Yeah, that's really key because if you think that they're yelling at you or you think they're a boss, you probably treat them that way, which also probably that response also triggers them to treat you a different way. So it becomes kind of a self-serving idea. Uh, All of these things are kind of true. If you start to say, well, everyone else is disrupting me at work and you start to, you probably that changes your mood on how you're, you're working with other people around you, your boss, your coworkers, all those things. And I'll bet that change that you're making is probably not making them like you more, which is probably going to make them start to react more to you. And it's going to set off this chain reaction. That's going to kind of spin off and create a situation that makes it where it, it is a toxic workplace, or it is a toxic person, or it is a, you know, hostile work environment in the in the soft terms not the hard terms yeah and and in reality is if you're so stuck in that you do not see the role that you are also playing in the toxicity of that environment you are it is not only being done to you you are contributing to that environment and sometimes sounds bad but sometimes it's easier for us to see that than you because again we're from the outside looking in going why why are you a jerk to that person? Or why do you respond to that person that way? Or how come you never give them the benefit of the doubt? Or, and then we hear the story, right? Diana, what were you going to add? Well, I was kind of going to just say, it's okay to have some boundaries at work. It's okay. It's not okay to get yelled at at work. Like you don't have to live with that. You you shouldn't have to. Now, should you give some people some grace if they're having a bad day? Sure. But like, you should not get yelled at at work. That's not cool. You should not um, be be disparaged at work. Like you, there are things that shouldn't happen to you at work, right? And I think it's important to recognize when those things are happening and when you've set a good, clear boundary or when you've, when you're just being pushed to feel uncomfortable. And I think there's a big difference there. So like a boundary at work is I don't want to get yelled at. I don't have to get yelled at. I will leave the room. If you're yelling at me, that's a great boundary. You don't have to get yelled at, but to say my boundary at work is I'm not going to go to -to face-to-face meetings. That's not an acceptable boundary just because you feel uncomfortable in those moments and you're getting pushed out into something that is not easy for you doesn't mean that you should make that a boundary. You can feel uncomfortable. You just have to make sure that you're actually not feeling unsafe and feeling like your boundaries are really being stepped on. 
Does that make sense? Am I being yeah. clear? No, I, th- I think it totally, <laughs> I think it totally makes sense, right? Everybody has choices, right? Everybody has yeah. options. Employees yeah. more have more options now than ever, ever before, right? We see that a lot right now. I mean, nobody wants to get up and go to work and, and, and be miserable. Nobody wants to get up and dread having to make the drive into work because you know you're going to be miserable. If that is where you are, I would encourage you, okay, have the conversation that you feel like you need to have. Um, do a little self diagnosis as well are you playing any role in the accountability of what this thing is right now maybe you are maybe you're not uh, but ultimately you don't have to work there anymore ultimately you do not have to fight that fight if you do not want to fight that fight and if you are in a situation where you do not want to fight that fight but you're being forced to fight that fight you're probably going to start teetering toward the toxic side even though you're right even though you are correct that's such a true statement. And it's hard to hear that. I think sometimes for employees is to say, no, your choice is that you can quit and you can leave, you know, because in the, the employer's choices, they can fire the employee. They can leave too. Right. So both sides can kind of leave that agreement. It's, it's, it's an employment agreement is an agreement between an employer and employee and both sides can decide to terminate that. Uh, one piece that I think we want to be careful of is if you're an employer, you know, we've talked about the definitions, some of the hard definitions of these things, which are legal issues, which are very, very serious, uh, you know, versus like some softer definitions to these things. Some of the grayer, the grayer space is really important. I don't want you as an employer, though, to hear like, oh, great. So I can't be sued if I yell at my employees. Um, you absolutely can be sued if you yell at your employees. Uh, you can actually be sued for anything. And that, that's kind of the way that things work. So like, I've had people say like, well, they can't sue me if I don't, you know, cross these lines. Um, no, you actually can. And if you yell at your employees regularly, you are more like, much more likely to be sued. Absolutely. I had, we had an employment, I know we've shared this before. We had an employment attorney who represents companies tell me once that he said, I could eliminate 99% of my clients if the managers would just treat their employees like human beings. Don't scream at them. Don't demand things from them. Don't have negative, con- I mean, try, you know, that doesn't mean not having accountability and not telling people what you need from work and setting expectations or even firing people, but just do it in a humane people-centric kind of a way. And we typically see your employees are much less likely to want to sue you over things like that. So I just wanted to, I just wanted as, as we've painted that line, I didn't want any employers to sit back and think, oh, that's awesome. Like I can go scream at my employees now. It's a bad idea for you to do that. So if you're an employee and you're living in that situation, yeah, it's, it's, it is bad, but just be careful about how you approach that. If you're a boss and you're thinking, my people are telling me it's a hostile work environment, but it's not really the legal definition of hostile work environment, so I'm free and clear, that is not a good thing to hear either. If your employees are telling you that or you're hearing that, you probably have some issues. And while it may not be a legal issue now, it could become one. And it's an opportunity for you to explore your own management style and how you work with your team and make things better. I appreciate that, Don. Thank you. That's uh, we've covered a lot of ground here. Are there other terms or things you want to put into play here? Or do you think we have covered this topic nicely to choose your own adventure team? What do you think? I, I think those are the ones that I keep hearing, right? Those are the ones that I keep hearing and having to say like, oh, you just raised a red flag for me. I want to discuss this further with you, which, yeah. you know, you could say anything. I might say that to you back, but I think those are the ones that cause the biggest alarm bells in my head. And then we have to like walk it back, you know? Yeah, I'll agree with that. I feel like um, we mentioned the term bullying, but that's like a really popular one too, of anytime we're doing employee surveys or something and, or 
interviews and someone uses the term bullying, that almost immediately for me causes like a stop in the conversation. Like, hey, explain that to me. Like, what do you actually mean by that? Because if there's true bullying happening, then yeah, we got to escalate that really quickly. Or if if it's not true legal bullying, then what is happening that doesn't feel good within the organization? Because then we can find solutions or, or maybe it is that moment where you're like, hey, like maybe this, maybe you should just leave. Maybe this isn't the right place for you. So. Yeah. And I'll just add too, I think that the reason we're talking about the right, using the right words here is because it that's going to also dictate the way to solve that problem. Um, if we use the word bullying versus harassment versus just conflict on a team, um, th- that's going to dictate how we handle this, the situation, or how your boss handles the situation, your boss, see, I just said your boss, your leader, whatever. <laughs> um, whoever's in charge at your place of work, um, it's going to depend on how they handle that situation. And so using the right word is very, very important for that reason too. Good looking out. Thank you, Bethany. Don, did you have, since we're going around the horn here, do you have uh, another thing to add before we dismiss? I like I love what Bethany just said. I think that that's a the huge point here. Again, I we've said this a dozen times already on this. We're not trying to diminish the problems that you're having as an employee or an employer. They are serious issues. We're trying to just what Bethany said. We're trying to help you to find what the best path out from that is. It's almost like if you're sitting next to somebody and just said, "Man, I'm gonna." I'm going to kill you for doing that, you know, and they say it kind of jokingly with you and you go to your boss and say, my, my coworker threatened to kill me. You can imagine what that response would be and how that would set you up with that coworker in the future. You know, I think you just, you just have to be cautious about those, some of those words that are used um, on both sides, both as the boss and the employee. Well, and I'll say too, sorry to add one more thing before we wrap up (laughs) is Having I've I've been in a in a in work environment before that really felt terrible and people were really mean to each other and willing to treat each other way. I think it was really empowering to me to have the correct language to talk about it and to be able to go to um, higher ups or HR boards or even like among friends and family to really help them understand like what was actually happening was actually really empowering to me to have this language um, because otherwise the other things either get blown up proportion or they get taken the wrong way and like, oh, that's not what I meant. And like, I, I wish I had had some of this when I was in that situation because I would often find myself backtracking up. I would say a word and then somebody would be like, oh, oh my gosh. I'd be like, well, okay, that's not exactly what I meant, but this is what it is. And, and like, I know my point would have gotten across more quickly um, and I maybe could have gotten to a, a solution in a, in a better way, a way that felt better to me and probably everyone involved if I had had um, great language to use. So that would be my big takeaway from this of like, there, this is all really real and it's all really painful to go through this. And so hopefully we've given you some new words to use today and language that you can use to talk about these experiences in a way that's really um, honoring to what you're going through and helps helps find a solution, whatever that might be. 
Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, all right. So maybe not the most uplifting topic we're going to bring to you through 2023, but I think informative. Uh, hopefully you have a takeaway here. And if you are in the midst of that, we are not, again, trying to downplay it, but there might be a different approach you'd want to consider. And remember, you have options. So uh, Diana alluded to the fact that these were ones that we hear on a regular basis. Uh, if you have others that you'd like to throw out there for us to maybe uh, address separately or maybe have another session on, on something like this, feel free to reach out to us. Listen to the outro how you can interact with us. We love to interact with our people. So uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Share the podcast. Thanks for being loyal to the podcast. 2022 was a great year. We're looking forward to the rest of this year, 2023, and hope to talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the People-Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, 